0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away.
0: Me Island, a short story series of the Ostium Network written by Alex C. Tillander, read by Justy G. Part one. Cold Tinted Windows. One. I've got a lot of stories to tell. And being just a few months over thirty, that's saying something. I suppose since I spend most of my days surrounded by books, that's not too surprising. Stories are my natural habitat, where I go to lose myself and forget about the real world for a while. Immerse myself in an imaginary one. It's also what I do. I help people find the stories they're looking for. Stories about anything, really. Fiction, truth, and everything in between. They're my day job and my night joy. They keep me busy and cure my boredom. They make me laugh, they make me cry, they make me feel all the emotions whether I want them to or not they're beyond my control and I'm always subject to their whim which is just how I like it stories have a way of finding me too not just cool fictional ones that blow my mind but everyday real life ones I don't exactly invite them in like they're literary vampires, no, they just come to me. They just find me. Every time, no matter what town I'm in, no matter where I'm living, I tend to move around a lot because there's always lots of work for a person like me, one who helps others in finding their way within the pages. And once I feel my role is complete, I move on. I don't flee the stories that come for me, even the scary ones. No, I willingly accept them, nurture them however I can. With what I know, what I've learned, and then, when they've reached their completion, it's time to go. No, I'm not that person who nods and says, my work here is done, and then disappears into the darkness, although, truth be told, I have thought about that once or twice. It's impossible not to, honestly. My name's Kate Mulder. Yep. Get all the jokes out on the table right away. Yes, K-A-Y-T. That's a weird spelling for a first name. Yes, I know. It's totally my parents' fault. Yes, I could have changed it when I became an adult, but I didn't want to. Plus, the older you get, the more paperwork is required to get it done. By the time I was three or four, I was talking like an adult with my parents and doing pretty good at reading. I knew that name was as much a part of me as the very organs of my body. To lose that name would be to lose the liver or the heart. It would be the end of me. I wasn't going to let that happen, even if it required some particularly tough and troublesome times in junior high and high school. Sigh. But it only made me stronger, right? No, I didn't just bury my head deeper in whatever book I was reading. I fought back. I stood up for myself. I defended my name. Because, like I said, it was and it is me. It didn't always turn out so well, but I was usually left alone. Next... Mulder I know I know I hit me with your spooky and fox and all the imaginative x-files jokes you can conjure up you know what I've heard them all before so many times like water off a duck's back slip sliding away let me know when you're done okay so let's get to the story I want to tell you today It's a pretty long one, but I expect you knew that before we even met, otherwise you wouldn't have taken the time and effort to come all the way out here to the edge of nowhere to find me. Nice job with that, by the way. Not everyone is as successful as you, so congrats. The story I'm going to tell is about an island off the coast of Washington, deep within the Pacific Northwest. Real close to the Canadian border, actually, off the coast of Bellingham with Vancouver just to the north. Nestled amongst the San Juan Islands. It's called Lumi Island, and this is the story that found me when I was a librarian there for eight months of my life. Two. An intruder. That's what I felt like. On Lumi, and even getting to Lumi, eight months is a decent chunk of time to spend in one place, especially when it has a population of 822. It's gone down since then. People moved on while I was there, left for good. You would think living on an island for the better part of a year with that many people... I must have talked or at least interacted in some way with every person on the island at some point, right? Well, let me just shock you a little and say I'd be hard-pressed to commit to talking with even a hundred people. There's a way of life on Lumi that it took me almost every day of those 32 weeks to fully acclimatize to. By the end of it, I was happy and ready to find my next story and leave. I believe that population number is going to keep dropping, and those who visit Lumi tend not to come back. Those who leave never come back. An intruder. Keep that ugly word in your mind. It's sharp and deadly all over, like a big ball of barbed wire. It's not something you play with, it's something you handle carefully, with thick gloves. And you never take your eye off it. The plane took me to Bellingham International Airport, which is a small airport like any other, perhaps not deserving of the international status. Once I had my one rolling suitcase off of the conveyor belt, I spent the next hour mulling over how exactly I was going to get to Lumi with minimal issues. I had neglected to look into buses or other forms of public transportation. Hey... A girl only has so much time to research, okay? I could, of course, call a taxi and take it all the way to the ferry dock, which would take some time and some substantial moolah. I could afford it, but then I would have problems affording other things like food later tonight. I knew for sure there wasn't a train that went that way, so that left one option, really. Can I help you, miss? Give you a ride, perhaps? My eyes turned to a middle-aged man, a couple of hundred pounds overweight, with a thick beard that looked like it enjoyed consuming morsels of food as much as the mouth in the middle of it did. However, it was immaculately clean, personal grooming. I took this as a good sign. Maybe I'm headed to Lumi Island, I said. That was when I started weighing a whole new armload of options and thoughts and possibilities. This is something that the male sex has a hard time understanding and even just straightforward thinking about. When a man offers to do something nice for a woman, a favor, a courtesy, no matter how polite it may be, there is always a potential caveat. It may not be implied or intended by the man, but the woman still has to consider it. To be prepared, I carry pepper spray on me at all times. And I literally mean that. No matter where I'm going, anywhere in public, I always have it on me. I can be walking down the street and there's a man ahead of me. It could be broad daylight with a few people walking by on the other side of the street. Doesn't matter. I still have to be prepared. To accept, he might try something. 99.9 times out of 100, he doesn't. But if I let my guard down that tenth of a percentile of a time, then that's it. I don't stand a chance. This is one of the fundamental differences between men and women from a sociological perspective. Women, when walking alone, spend their time wondering and worrying if something might happen. Men, when walking alone, are thinking about where they're trying to get to or about any other random thought that comes into their heads. They never think, well, maybe there's a guy waiting around the corner who's going to attack me because they don't need to. Okay, let's pull back a little here. Sorry. Got a little proselytizing there. It's uh, also the absolute goddamn truth. And here I was, with these hundreds of thoughts running through my mind before the man had even answered my question. And I didn't know what I was going to say if he was going my way. Well, how about that? What a coincidence. That's where I'm headed right now. Just came in from L.A. My family's already at the pad on the Baker Preserve be happy to give you a lift to the ferry if you like. After that, we can just part ways, no strings attached. See, it's saying something like that, no strings attached, that just gets my heart racing. He said it thinking little of it, thinking he'd make a little joke or maybe not realizing what he was actually saying, and from my perspective, it could mean the complete opposite. But the sun was shining, the skies were blue, and I was going to keep my pepper spray in my pocket firmly gripped in my hand the whole way. That would be truly awesome. I'd really appreciate it. No problem. Happy to oblige. My name's Stephen. Kate, pleased to meet you. A rough handshake and a nod, and then he led the way. The car should be out front all ready for us. The car ride wasn't what I expected. After 15 minutes of driving in the Tesla, I felt myself relax a little. Seeing the flashy fire engine red vehicle was unexpected, but it also confirmed my preconceived notions on the class level of the man I was traveling with. It probably meant he wouldn't try anything with me, but it also meant he very well might try something with me because of who he was and how he always expected to get his way, hence my relaxing only a little. I thought this could be a good opportunity to learn more about Lumi. It was like talking to a tree, a healthy, green-leaved, brown-trunked, soaring redwood that continued being nothing more than a plant when I asked it questions. So what do you think of Lumi? How long have you been visiting the island? Does your family like it there? do you know anything about the library i'm going to be the new librarian there what's your favorite place to eat what do you like to do for fun on the island i wondered if i was speaking english to him the first question he grunted at the second he let out an indifferent the third received an unclear uh the next two questions received no response or reaction at all I should have taken the very clear and obvious hint, but I wanted to get to the bottom of what was actually going on here, so I kept pushing. When I need to learn something to get answers, I keep pushing. Sometimes it can be dangerous, most of the time it works. Not this time. Look, he said after I asked the last question, I don't want to talk. I offered you a ride because my wife wants me to be nicer to other people. I thought I'd give it a shot with you. You seem like a simple, clean enough girl. Simple? Clean? Did he just call me a girl? So why don't you just keep quiet for the rest of the ride? I'll drop you off at the ferry dock and you can get the fuck out of my life. I'll tell my wife about the good deed I did and we'll both come out winning, okay? Yes, I said, barely above a whisper, but... Because we were driving in what seemed like one of the quietest cars on the planet, he heard me just fine. I turned my head to the side, looking out the window at the passing scenery, and appreciated the view. I also gripped my pepper spray a little tighter, my index finger resting on the trigger. 4. An intruder. We were all intruders to this land. The land has belonged to the Lumi Nation for time immemorial, where they fished and lived and loved and died. The Point Roberts Treaty changed all that. Lumi Island no longer belongs to the Lumi Nation. Instead, There's the Lumi Reservation, which we were currently driving through to get to Gooseberry Point, where the ferry would take us on a six-minute trip to Lumi Island. Not that he would have said a word, but I didn't have to have Stephen tell me what the vibe was between the Lumi Nation and Lumi Island. I also knew which side Stephen resided on, in all senses of the word. The tension in the air was almost palpable, a distasteful miasma that just hung there making you feel nauseous. I wondered how it was going to feel on the actual island. Like the car ride, it was also something I never could have predicted. Five. The island felt colder. Colder than the mainland, colder than where I was before, which, in hindsight, is a fairly ludicrous thing to say. But it was also true. The ferry ride aboard the Whatcom Chief had been six minutes exactly from when we left the mainland dock and gently touched the island dock, the fenders squeaking against the old wooden key and protecting the ferry's hull. It had felt more like twenty-six minutes there were a bunch of cars headed to the island. Stephen in his shiny Tesla was right at the front, all ready to be the first one on the boat and the first one on the island. Let it be known, I just said a bad word in my head. A very, bad word, and it was directed at that very unlikable man. He had pulled over about a hundred feet from the ferry dock. Didn't say a thing, just sat there and waited. The quiet engine humming like a comfortable cat fast asleep. It had been perfectly clear. I'd taken my seatbelt off, opened the door, and got out. Got my luggage off the back seat. It wasn't until I closed the door and felt the car move away that I finally relaxed. I relinquished my strangling grip on the pepper spray. I'd been fully convinced he would grab me or try something. I picked a spot on the port side of the ferry, watching the cool blue waters swirl by as the boat rocked left to right ever so slightly. There were over 20 people on board. It was a Friday afternoon, people coming home from work, starting their weekend, people coming to visit, to tourists, to sightsee. It should have been a relaxed atmosphere, a growing excitement for the weekend. It was anything but that. There was a cold, standoffish indifference from everyone it was as if wherever I turned there was a hard shoulder wanting to keep me away and ignoring me begging not to have to talk pleading to just leave them alone Stephen had given me nothing absolutely nothing my hope was that one or more of these people might want to chat on the boat ride over it wasn't happening These people wanted nothing to do with me. Looking back on it now, it's all pretty clear. I'm certain that everyone on that boat, including the pilot I tried talking to him, was a cold, distrustful, mean, distant, and oh-so-very-proud resident of Lumi Island. That was as close as I was going to get to a royal welcome. Six. The job opening arrived in my inbox, completely unannounced, a month ago. It wasn't the first time, it probably wouldn't be the last, but I knew to take it, not so much as a sign from some higher deity or force working in the universe, but more there was a specific reason this happened, however random or coincidental or unexpected. Getting a truly random piece of spam mail that just happens to be a great deal on an item you were just planning on buying. Yeah, I know that's never happened to anyone, and definitely not me, but a girl can keep hoping. The pay was paltry, menial, almost laughable, but I'd be kidding myself and everyone I come into contact with if I said I do this job for the money. I know it's not going to happen, but the job has its riches and rewards in other ways mine is the work of helping people however i can sometimes that involves helping a person researching a project be they 12 or 72 or getting together a whole stack of books from a hastily illegibly scrawled list sometimes it involves spending a long chunk of time on the phone walking them through how to search the library's inventory and then explaining the fairly simple process of transferring a book from another library And sometimes it involves applying my knowledge and experience to something I've never seen before in my life, and having to come up with a whole new way to approach and tackle it. As was the case on Lumi Island. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. What sealed the deal for me was the included room and board. The owner of the library building had a decent-sized house nearby, and was willing to let me use a substantial attic floor. After I got in touch with him and expressed my interest in the job, I didn't bother asking how he'd found me because I knew I'd get a vague answer, something to the effect of he didn't even know he'd contacted me, which has totally happened before a number of times. He sent me some photos which completely sold me on the position. The attic ceiling wasn't that high, logically, but I'm 5'5", and not in the least claustrophobic. There was a small bedroom, a slightly larger living room, and a perfectly serviceable bathroom. I knew I'd be spending a good percentage of my time either at the library or around the island. And other than sleeping and cleaning, I wouldn't be home too much. And even if I was, that living room-bedroom combo would do me just fine. I already knew once I started reading that first email that a number of future decisions and choices had just been made and slotted into place and that I would end up living and working on Lumi Island for an unknown period of time. And now here I was, stepping onto the island after a short ferry ride. I'd made my way to the front of the boat and would be the first pedestrian off. The wonderful Stephen would be the first actual passenger off as they let the cars go first, of course. Once he was clear of the boat, he tore out down Nugent Road, headed for his luxury abode far away from the common riffraff. I stepped onto the dock and then waited, watching everyone else get off. I was trying something. At the end, when a member of the crew closed the exit gate and prepared to let passengers heading back to the mainland on board, my suspicions had been confirmed. Not a single passenger looked my way as they got off. Not that weird really, I know, but they didn't look at anywhere else either. They kept their heads down, looking at the ground. They didn't make eye contact with each other or any of the crew to say thanks or goodbye. I chalked that up to a little unusual in my book. Afternoon was moving along into evening on this wonderfully warm August day as I made my way across the small ferry parking lot. There were a few parked cars, all very fancy, high-priced vehicles, though no Teslas. Darn. Darn. The sound of my suitcase wheels rolling on the asphalt was a loud roar, but otherwise it felt too quiet here. Not enough cars driving around, not enough people and activity. I didn't want to use the cliche that it was eerily quiet, but it didn't feel right. I wasn't sure if this was a normal Friday afternoon on Lumi Island, or if something was actually up. I crossed Nugent Road, and there was the building that looked a lot like a normal house, but was in fact the Island Library, part of the Whatcom County Library System. Not very big at all, but I knew that already. Came here expecting it. I also knew that you can have a small amount of square footage that is used very economically and cleverly to maximize your volume of books. When I stepped through that door, I knew this was one of those places. A library built with love and skill.
1: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com/wondersuite. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.
0: 7 There were books everywhere. And I mean everywhere. As many bookshelves as possible had been slotted, slid, and pivoted into this small space. Each shelf bulged with volumes of all shapes and sizes, hardcovers and paperbacks, heavy tomes and thin pamphlets. On the floor were stacks and stacks and stacks from wall to wall and every open space in between. This place was definitely not up to ADA standards, but I could quickly tell just from a cursory examination that this place had been organized and categorized and do a decimal with care and respect. While the stacks of books were everywhere, they were perfectly aligned and I had no doubt grouped by a fiendishly creative system. Since I learned to read, I have had a limitless affection for the printed word bound within the covers of a book, but also for the houses and establishments where those books are held. I made it a personal quest, Whenever I'm in a town I haven't visited before to set aside as much time as necessary and pay a visit to every bookshop, be they new or used or a combination, leaving time of course for the libraries. I've crossed the thresholds of hundreds of bookstores, probably over a thousand. Each one is unique and special, a snowflake in a blizzard. Bookstores are bastions of joy and succor for me. My parents like to joke that it was no surprise I became so obsessed with books since I grew up surrounded by bookcases in my room and throughout the house went to bed each night under the watchful gaze of hundreds of hardcover classics. To some naive eyes, this place would look a disorganized shambles, a nightmare of disuse and confusion. To me it was a work of love, a work of art. I was in love at first sight. 8. Michael Fortner was an incredibly tall and incredibly thin man. I'd say he was emaciated, but I have seen his body type before. That's what he is, a body type. His age could have been anywhere from early 50s to early 70s, but I could tell he had lived a long and hard life. I hoped with the properties he owned he was enjoying the latter years of his existence in some way, his voice was warm and full, a complete surprise compared to his countenance. Welcome, my dear. You must be the impressive Ms. Mulder. I am, I replied with a big smile on my face and then braced myself for one or four and twenty name jokes. A delight to meet you. Your resume was, well, beyond exemplary. I felt so fortunate when you agreed to take the position. Oh, there was the little question of my... And surprised, very surprised, in fact. You could get a job at any library or institution in the country. I'm sure the Smithsonian would seriously consider you. Then he waited for a response. This wasn't the first job I'd taken way beneath my pay grade and qualification. I had a response ready. It was also the truth, mostly. I am humbled by your comments, Mr. Fortner. I am in a unique position not to care about salaries, My parents were killed in an unfortunate accident when I was 18. There were substantial life policies for each of them, as well as a significant savings. I see, he said, knowing I had more to say. Well, this particular circumstance has afforded me the opportunity not to be concerned with the cost, and to engage my whims and honor my promises, follow my dreams, essentially had a number of jobs in my relatively young life, and each of them I have chosen not because of the pay they offered, but because of the enjoyment and satisfaction I knew I would receive from them. In so doing, I have been very successful in each of these jobs, if I do say so myself, and have received glowing recommendations upon leaving. Which I'm fully aware of, Michael said. Thank you, Ms. Mulder, for revealing such a private thing in your life. I have no need to pry further. And like your past employers, I am beyond delighted to have you here to run the island library. Thank you, Mr. Fortner. And let me tell you, the feeling is quite mutual, I replied. Please, I feel we've reached the point now where you can call me Michael. Why, thank you, I said with a slight bow and an amused smile on my face. Please do me the courtesy of calling me Kate. Very well, Kate. And since you have given me some of your personal details, I feel it is only right I give you some of mine. Come, let's play a visit to your office. I let him lead the way, following close behind, watching him skillfully slide between the stacks and weave into the open spaces and channels. It made me start to wonder if he had done all this? The library organized it in such a complicated and busy way, but still maintained order. He well could have, but... I still felt it was beyond him. I don't know why. It was a sense I had about him, and these intuitions are usually pretty accurate. And then, like a wardrobe door to Narnia, a door in its doorway appeared on a wall, seemingly from nowhere. I'd kept track of my way and had the convoluted route memorized. Michael opened the door and then stepped aside to let me into my new office first. It was only possible because he was so thin Otherwise, he would have had an awkward altercation. If the library could be considered a victim of a hoarder's addiction, the office was a Spartan, empty hole in that hoarder's soul. There was an old desk that was nothing special, two chairs for visitors, and a swivel chair that looked decently comfortable. There was an ancient looking filing cabinet in one corner and a completely empty bookcase along one wall. It felt, well, Anathema for the book satiated library on the other side of the surface attached. There was a water cooler. How fancy. And then a cabinet with a coffee machine, a fresh carafe brewing. I tried to remember if I'd told Michael approximately when I'd be arriving. I must have. I stepped into my office and he slipped in behind me but left the door open, which I appreciated. I said I wasn't claustrophobic, but I much preferred being still in visible range of all those wonderful books so close by. Please take your seat, Michael said, indicating the swivel chair behind the desk. Would you like some coffee? Sounds wonderful, I replied. Two sugars, please, if you have sugar. He turned to me and gave me an endearing look that I could only assume was a look Michael Fortner gave many members of his extended family when they asked him a silly question. I truly hoped he had lots of family to give that look to. It was so warm and embracing. "'This is no Vladivostok, my dear. We have sugar. No milk, I'm afraid, but that's for your own health. I don't know where you could keep it fresh in here. I suppose we could see about getting a mini-fridge installed for you.' "'No, no,' I said. There was a reason I only asked for sugar. Prefer it black as the night sky. "'Wonderful and good.' because I was only going to be able to offer you some ancient creamer. Like you, I prefer my coffee inky as the celestial firmament. During this time, he had retrieved two clean mugs from the cabinet beneath the coffee maker. Mine had been filled and two sugars added, along with a spoon to stir to my heart's desire. The illustration on the porcelain was an artistically done book, the pages forming a rainbow shape. Beneath it said, Within these pages lie the heart, soul, and imagination of every reader. This became my favorite mug. I would actually take it with me after my eight-month stay. Michael didn't care, considering he was dead and buried by that point. 9. A few moments later, Michael was sitting down in one of the visitors' chairs sipping his scalding coffee. He hadn't taken any sugar. He certainly did like it black and strong. It was at that point a question popped into my head as to whether Michael was gay. It was none of my business to inquire, but I couldn't help wondering if I would find out in time. His mug was just text and read, If truth is beauty, how come no one has their hair done in the library? Okay, now I felt like an asshole. That's where the unhindered thought about Michael's sexual preference had come from. A foolish stereotype. Thank you once again, Brain, for proving you can be a complete and utter idiot sometimes. Sorry, what was that? I asked, realizing I was being spoken to and not gathering a single word. I was asking if the coffee was okay. Oh, sorry, let me see. I stirred it plenty already, drew out the spoon and sucked it clean and then took a sip. It was perfect. Heaven. Manna from the gods. This is exquisite. Michael's jovial face broke into a wide smile. Glad to hear it. It's my particular favorite blend. Pete's Big Bang. Strong, but not too strong. Hints of smoke and chocolate. I order it through Amazon. That stopped me like a child's scream. Amazon, I asked in amazement, they deliver here? Of course, he said, still beaming. Well, not their specific couriers, but it comes with a daily shipment of mail on the chief every morning. By chief, I knew he meant the ferry I'd just come in on. Well, thank you, Amazon, I guess, I said. Yes, thank you, Amazon, so I don't have to get off my tush and cross the channel to Bellingham to get myself some quality coffee. This way it comes to me. Isn't there any decent coffee on the island? Well, there is coffee on the island, but calling it decent is... a bit of a stretch, in my opinion. The Islander has instant coffee and a few bags of beans that I wouldn't touch with a ten-foot French press. Well, what about the... Willow's Inn? Ah, that place. I suppose if you were willing to spend ten dollars on a tiny espresso that would be gone in a couple sips, it might taste okay. Oh, I said. For my online research, the Willows Inn had seemed like a pretty flashy place. I had a feeling it would be expensive, but not that pricey. The Beach Store Cafe has coffee also, but nothing to write home about. So, as you can see, our choices are fairly limited. Indeed, I said. Well, now I know where to focus when acquiring my black market goods. That earned a hearty laugh, which let me enjoy more of my coffee and gave me a chance to settle in my new seat in my new office and think about my new job for a moment. I was really happy. "'So, let's get down to some business then,' Michael said. I snapped back into focus. "'What did you think of the place?' My response after some silence was, Sir, "'I haven't really had the time. "'Come on now. I saw your resume, remember?' "'You've probably been in more bookstores than almost any person on the planet. "'What did you think? "'Cramped? Too many books?' "'You got me. No to the former, and there's no such thing as the latter. "'I can tell right away this isn't your usual ordinary library, but Lumi Island isn't big.' "'But too many residents think they live in a thriving metropolis here,' he said. "'Okay, and that's good to know, I suppose.' But I could tell there's a method to the madness here. There's a system, probably a very convoluted one. But once I break it down, it'll be fine. Is... is this all you? I raised my arms, encompassing the entire building. Is what all... Oh, oh, no. I'm but a humble building owner doing his best to encourage reading on this book-starved island. No, this mind-boggling brainchild was the impressive result of one Jane Harcourt, This building has been owned by my family for a large number of decades that we won't be too specific about. Jane was the librarian here for over 30 years, though still younger than me. This place was a labor of love for her, as she refined and organized in her own specific way. I learned early on to just let her do her thing and trust in her abilities. And I was never wrong in that decision. She kept asking for more books and would give me weekly lists. I accommodated and approved when and how I could. Once again, thank you Amazon, and thank you also the internet at large, where I can get access to so many choices when purchasing books. At times, it's just mind-boggling. My family has been on this island since the year one, and by that I mean not too long after the Point Roberts Treaty and very shortly after Lumi Island became independent from the Lumi Nation. My family took big advantage of it, buying up what land they could, and building. They've done very well since. I'm one of five brothers. Two have passed, while the three of us remain hale and healthy. I never wanted much of all that real estate headache. I have a nice-sized home, where you'll be staying high up on the top floor, and this aging building. I want nothing else to do with the rest of the family business. I almost get the sense you're not on board with the family prerogative, if you don't mind me asking, I said. You're a very astute woman, Kate. I think we're going to get along just fine. Much like the fraught history of this island, my family's history is a somewhat dark and sordid one that began, in my opinion, by nefarious and questionable means. The surviving members continue to do business in this way. As soon as I had the chance to sever and separate myself from all that... I did. And that's all I want to say about digging up my family's dishonest heritage. (laughs) I'm sorry for prying. No, 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 my dear, Michael said. I opened up that can of worms to begin with. You simply chose to join me with a spoon and dig a little deeper. I'm just not ready to dredge all that up, just yet. Maybe when we get to know each other better and I've got some potent spirits running through my veins. But bringing it back to Ms. Harcourt... She was a godsend and did what needed to be done here. Helped those who needed it and was pretty popular with those willing to crack open the covers of a book. He took a deep drink of his coffee. She sounds wonderful, I said. What happened? He took a deep breath and then let it out slowly. Six weeks ago she just up and disappeared. At first I thought she might be sick. I paid a visit to her house and found all her things there, fresh food and milk and eggs in the fridge. It all appeared undisturbed. A closet and dresser full of clothes, keys, cell phone, and money on the kitchen counter. I thought she might have taken a surprise trip somewhere and out of the blue vacation, but you wouldn't leave those things behind. So we waited. And waited. And waited. I tried running things myself here, but I had no idea where everything was. The first person to come in and ask me if I had a certain book, I gave them a deer-in-the-headlights look and apologized. I closed and locked the door that day, and the place hasn't been open since. That is incredibly sad, I said. You've still heard nothing from her? Michael shook his head. Not a peep. The family has visited a number of times. They haven't heard from her either. It'd be Lumi's biggest mystery if they weren't keeping quiet about it. You mean the family? I asked. Oh, yes, they would rather no one find out, until they know more. Definitively, no. I'm talking about the island at large. Tourism funds the survival on this island. But something else also does. Silence. Anything questionable pertaining to the law, or the way things should be, are intentionally kept under the radar. We have no form of law enforcement on the island, no police which is exactly how everyone wants it. The closest thing we have to a person in power is Rick, who will hit a hundred next year and spends his time at the ferry dock watching people come and go. I'd say there's at least one more person who seems to care. Oh, really, my dear, he said. Perhaps you know more than I do. And who might that be? A wonderful gentleman by the name of Michael Fortner, I replied. The room erupted in a warm, loud laugh that echoed off the walls. I swear, it physically brightened the room. I am honored that you would consider me a good Samaritan, if you will. I do what I can to help out. But it is the rest of the people who do what they can to keep to themselves at all costs. They act like Lumi is a borough of New York where the Hoi rub shoulders with the Rockefellers and the Carnegies. Where it's at, be-all and end-all, and each of them is at the very center of it. But they can't all be at the center of it all, I said. Oh, can't they? He responded. These people stretch and break the rules of physics. They think sociology is whatever they decide it to be. They decide what's the height of fashion and what everyone should be talking about, even though every family has different ideas of this. You know, I sort of interrupted, I think I know what you mean. I managed to get a ride with a guy named Stephen in his Tesla. It was very... "'Interesting and disturbing. "'You got a ride from Stephen Howard?' "'Michael asked in awe. "'Or was that shock?' "'I guess that could be his name. "'Big guy, big beard, thinks he's royalty.' "'Michael snapped his fingers, pointing the index at me. "'That's him to a T. Spot on.' "'He (laughs) barely said a word to me on the ride. "'Actually said he didn't want to talk, "'was outright rude about it. "'Don't feel bad, my dear.' He's rude to everyone, even his own family. Over the years, I've developed a sort of saying that I keep completely to myself. You will actually be the first human being I've ever told. Why, thank you, I said. I was all ears. If you survived a first meeting with the venerable Stephen Howard, you deserve to hear this. I forgot which family it was, but while driving around the island one day, I saw a company doing work on their windows. Curiosity got the better of me, and I could see all the fancy cars were gone, so it was just the window company at home. They had to have come over from the mainland, specially imported, so I sidled up to the man in charge and inquired what was going on. He was a chatty fellow and soon gave up that the windows were being tinted. When I asked if this was to block out the sun, he laughed and said no. It was so that none of the nosy neighbors or anyone driving by could look in but they were using a special kind of film over the windows so that those on the inside could look out at everything going on, as if the window were plain glass. It couldn't have been cheap. Sounds a lot like an interrogation room with a one-way mirror, I said. You got it, exactly. That interesting story stuck with me, and since then, that's how I see the people of Lumi, especially the rich ones, which is most of them. They sit in their houses, behind cold, tinted windows, wanting nothing to do with anyone, but at the same time needing, having to watch and know everything that's going on at all times, whether it concerns them or not. Believe you me, it never does. Cold, tinted windows. I savored the words, feeling them in my mouth. They were bitter. For the first time, I started to wonder if I'd made the right decision in taking the job and coming to Lumi Island. I suppose gossip is its own secret language here, I asked. You wouldn't be wrong, my dear, you wouldn't be wrong. But enough about the illuminating clientele of Lumi. Let's refill our coffees and I'll show you a few spots in the library. With fresh steaming mugs of java, Michael led me to a hidden, narrow staircase that led upstairs to a small, cramped attic where there were more stacks of books, about three feet high, all along one wall. One side had a window looking out at the road. I was immediately drawn to it. The view of the ferry dock, Lumi Bay, and the mainland laid out like a perfect toy set. It was breathtaking. Quite a sight, isn't it? I must admit I do come up here sometimes to admire it all, Michael said. Did Miss Harcourt do the same? Jane? No, she always kept herself too busy, or at least she said she did. She was never one to waste time taking in the view. Those were her words, not mine. There were three chairs in the room arranged in a rough circle. They looked hard and uncomfortable. This is where people can come to read and look at books if they so wish. Has anyone ever done that? I asked. I've seen bicycle seats more comfortable looking than these chairs. That laugh again, more booming and echoing in this bigger room. I miss it. I really miss him. 10 We were done within 15 minutes. He showed me another small table near the front where the ledger was kept to keep track of any books checked out to customers and the receipt book so the customer would know when it was due back. Every book checked out was given a month to make it easier. Had to be pretty overdue to incur any late fees. Michael was very lenient about it all, as one would expect with a small population on an island like Lumi. He locked up the library and handed over the key. He had an extra one at home. Then he gave me a ride to his humble abode and the attic that would be mine for I knew not how long. We headed down South Nugent Road and turned right on Harmony Lane. There weren't many houses, and they were all widely spaced apart. When we reached his residence, my mouth dropped open at the size of it. It seemed big houses were a thing on Lumi, mansions the joie de vivre, McMansions the casa de option. He took me up to the attic and my rooms letting me know I could enjoy the rest of the weekend and start work at the beginning of the week. 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. That way I'd have time to get settled and find my way around a little. If you like hiking at all, I'll be taking Charlie here on this long evening walk out on Blizzard. Charlie and I had met when Michael first opened the door, a chocolate brown spaniel who immediately became a close friend. What is Blizzard? I asked, thinking of frigid temperatures and icy storms. Oh, he said, chuckling, it's a long trail that spans the island, perfect for walking, especially if there's a dog in tow. We won't do the whole thing, but I usually take Charlie out for an hour walk and arrive back home at sunset, in time for dinner, which you're welcome to join. That sounds wonderful, both the walk and the dinner. Excellent, he said. Well, let's meet up at five sharp at the front door then. I'll be there, I said with a genuine smile. I spent the next couple of hours unpacking and getting settled. There was, very much thankfully, Wi-Fi, and I checked the various internets and let those few who would care to know that I'd arrived at my destination alive and well. The island looked beautiful, the people weird and mysterious, and I'd be starting work on Monday. Although in my mind, I was already organizing things, the library in my head, planning some sort of inventory. Thankfully, I had a laptop and a database program that would do the job. I also made the important change of updating my work status on my Facebook page. Gotta keep the lurkers current, no? 11. I changed into pants with a sweater and brought a coat along. Michael had warned me that once the sun started making its way toward the Pacific, the temperature plummeted. I'd recently been working and living in Northern California where I felt I'd already experienced this, but now I was in climbs farther north, which meant it got even colder at the same times. I didn't want to freeze to death on my first night here because I didn't have the right clothing with me. I met Michael at the front door at 5 sharp. Let's go, he said, smiling and slapped a leash in my hand. I attached it to Charlie and we were off, heading down Harmony Lane. There were a few more houses along the way, and then the country road soon turned into woodlands. Trees, trees, and more trees. I thought we'd make it to the end of the lane and start heading into the woods, but a hundred yards from the end, Michael made a sharp left and Charlie and I followed. We ascended a small hill that stretched out my calves and Achilles' heels, giving my body a comfortable buzzing. Charlie had no problem getting up, even though he was ten years of dog age. When we reached the top, a hidden pathway miraculously materialized before us. Wow, I said. I'm glad you knew the way. I never would have been able to find this. <laughs> Michael said. Ask any local and they know where it is, whether they're walking the pooch or trying to spy on another's house. Are you being serious? Completely. You can take his leash off now. We hiked for almost 40 minutes, chit-chatting about everything and anything except our past lives. We talked a lot about books, classics, award winners, favorite genres, hated authors. We had a surprising amount of crossover, which garnered many a laugh. The oncoming sunset was beautiful, along with the island scenery. At times, there would be patches where the trees would clear, and I'd see we were higher above sea level than I previously thought, and could view the majestic blue waters and the mainland coast in the distance. We didn't reach any specific point when to turn back, Michael simply knew the trail and knew how far he wanted to go. Turn around here, he said, and then we were on our way back. Twelve. We'd been walking for around twenty minutes when I noticed the things on the trail ahead. There was still enough light to see details, but it was definitely fading. Michael was watching Charlie dig for something off to the right when I caught his attention. There's something ahead, I said. On the trail. He looked at me, checked on Charlie, who now joined us, then looked ahead. He'd started walking automatically and then stopped like a wall had suddenly appeared before him. He studied what it was, wondering. But we were too far away to be able to make anything out. There was a weight in his voice when he spoke that I'd never heard before. All the humor and happiness seemed to have left him. Come along then. Let's find out what dread awaits us. It wasn't long before we knew what it was, or rather, what they were. But without a word uttered between us, we just kept walking. And then we were there and there was no question. Less light now, but still enough to see, to have no doubt. Michael said nothing. Welp, was my single syllable response. The bodies hadn't been there long because we wouldn't have come across them on our way out. There were no apparent lethal wounds to identify if they were dead or how they might have died, but I could just tell. It was an overwhelming feeling that I've sadly experienced before, telling me these people were no longer breathing the air of this world. I had been right the last time, and I knew I was right this time also. Michael then knelt down and touched his finger to the man's and the woman's necks, checking for life. His body language transmitted his assessment to me loud and clear. There were two things that pushed me over the edge, into the realm of terror and panic. One was what the man was holding in his right hand. It was clearly a gun, a small pistol, but it was unlike any weapon I'd ever seen. The barrel was very short, with a strange filigree. Strange lines and tubing. The handle was rounded and semi-transparent, appearing to be filled with a dark blue liquid. The gun, to me, looked like a weapon from another time. From the future, if I had to pick one. It just didn't look of this world. The other was what Michael finally said. Well, he spoke, his voice cracking a little. I suppose we now know what happened to Miss Jane Harcourt. End of part one. Cold Tinted Windows was written and produced by Alex C. Tillander. It was read by Justy G. All the music in Cold Tinted Windows is composed and performed by Lee Roosevelt under a Creative Commons license. The songs featured were In Part 1, The Secret of Growing Up, Keep Trying. In Part 2, Under Suspicion. In Part 3, It's a Mystery. In Part 4, expectations in part five reflections in part six i believe in you in part seven and eight how i used to see the stars in part nine feather light in part 10 small steps in part 11 looking back in part 12 the nightmare You can find out more about this story, Lumi Island, and other stories set within the Ostium Network universe at ostiumpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.